Well, good morning. I think I am finally through jet lag. You know, every year that I come, it gets harder and harder with the jet lag. So um, at 65 years old, it gets really hard. <laughs> but God, amen? Hallelujah. So <clears throat> Rory already shared part of my testimony, so that's great. Um, God really did do um, an amazing work in that two days that I ended up spending in Dallas that was not intended. But God's delays, he uses everything for his good and his glory. Amen? Awesome. So I have, what's interesting is, so yesterday I sat down to rewrite my messages because I had actually spoken this message a couple of times in the U.S. But I wanted to write it so that it was fresh and relevant to the community here. And I went to write it down. Oh, actually I did. I typed it up and I stopped for lunch. I had a wonderful lunch with some visitors. And I went back to my computer and it was gone. Now, I wrote it in Word, which supposedly automatically backs up your files. No backup, nothing. Like, oh. So I prayed. I said, all right, Lord, either you want to redirect or you have something better. So is it really echoey to you? Because it's echoey to me. No? Okay. And I don't have my hearing aid in, do I? No, I don't. Okay, no. I'm supposed to wear hearing aids. <clears throat> so if you hear me saying, what, what, what did you say? That's why. Anyway, um, so the Lord impressed on me a slightly different, but with the same um, theme, but slightly different message. And he gave me both my messages for today and for next Sunday. Isn't that cool? So... This message today is titled, Don't Count Yourself Out, and the message for next Sunday is Your Authority in the Kingdom. So they do, do go together. So if you have your Bibles, do you have your Bibles on your phone? Or your hard copy? A real Bible? If you could turn to Judges 16.28. And if someone has that, I would love to have you stand and read it. Or do I have to volunteer somebody? Will someone volunteer? No? All right. Yeah. yeah Judges 1628. So we know about Samson. Then if we move to Job, I'm using the, both Samson and Job, right? Because the enemy took everything from both Samson and Job. So Satan was allowed to test Job, right? Does everyone know the story? Yeah, Satan was allowed to test Job. 
And in Job 1, 6 through 11, that's where God tells him, you can do anything but take Job's life. So Satan takes Job's property and his children. And you can find that, we're not going to go there, you can find that in Job 1, 13 through 22. And Job continues, and he says, still, I will hope in, in God, right? And that can be found in Job 13, 15 through 18. But I want to actually read that scripture. Because you notice the position of their hearts. So Job 13, 15 through 18. Though he slay me, I will not wait, but I will maintain my own ways before him. He also is my salvation, for an ungodly one shall not come before him. Listen carefully to my words, and let what I say be in your ears. Behold now, I have set my cause in order. I know that I shall be justified. Hmm. So interestingly, Rory's little testimony ties in with this. Don't you see that? Isn't that interesting? You were wondering why you were going to share it? Well, it's the, it was the position of Rory's heart. It wasn't his position to break the law, but it was the position of his heart that he was going to praise God and know that God would justify him in the midst of whatever he does. Amen? Right? See the good word that comes out of that. Pardon? <laughs> no. I do have a prayer for that, though. Lord, blind the eyes of the enemy. <laughs> But it's about the position of our heart. Amen? But sometimes we think, I'm not perfect, so I can't be right before God. I didn't do A, B, C, D, and E, right? But it's not about being perfect. It's about being in a right relationship. Right? Amen? Being in right relationship means that you are intentionally taking time to be intimate with the Father. Sure, reading the word is good. That's a great thing. But better than that is spending time listening and speaking, not just telling God your list of things that you need taken care of. I mean, imagine you're telling your husband or your wife, well, this is my honey-do list. Do this A, B, C, D, and E. And then see you later. Well, your spouse would not like that very much. At least I know when I used to give my, my late husband his honey-do list, he certainly did not like that very much. But when you have your honey-do list for your husband or your wife, and you sprinkle that in with things that you do together or that you have communication where you're sharing your deep feelings, it helps because you're building the relationship. You're cultivating the intimacy within your relationship. This is key, amen? Sorry, I like to walk around a lot. So, we're, when we're in right relationship, we don't have to be perfect. That's the beauty of the kingdom of God. So Samson lost everything. Job lost everything. 
So I'd like to equate that. Some of you know my story, but there's a lot of new faces. I'll tell the short story, not the long story. My late husband committed suicide March 12th, 2000, or March 10th, 2012. And it turned my whole world upside down. And I felt disqualified, I felt discounted, I felt there's no way I can go on and do ministry. So I counted myself out. So I wanna ask that question, of course that's the short story, there's so much more to, my, to that story. But I wanna ask that question to each and every one of you, especially with the things that we've gone through with COVID. How many of you have felt discounted, devalued, or counted out, like, all right, well, I, I can't be used right now. I can't be used of God. Or what can I do? I'm stuck at home. What can I do for the Lord? How can I be used? Do you have any of you felt counted out? I'm going to raise your hands if you have. Anyway, I know I have. So in the midst of my late husband's committing suicide, one of the reasons why he had done it that I did not know, and I found out three months after his death, is because he had lost all of our savings as well as our retirement. Everything. And I had taken all this time off. I had gone many places. I went to Mexico. I went... I thought I had plenty of money and I didn't even consider looking at things and I just, when I came home to start dealing with life, um, there was nothing. Then I really felt counted out. But God. I felt like without money behind me, I couldn't serve him. But that's a lie from the pits of hell. And I remember when I discovered all these things, I just said, God, are you remembering that you called me? You called me to go to the nations, and how can I go when I have no money? You called me to do specific things. How can I go? Remember, God? The good news is, is God is for us, not against us. So in the midst of that, I heard his voice that said, don't count yourself out. Now, he didn't give me that message back then. He gave it to me, you know, this year. But I wanted to count myself out is the point. God had to strengthen me, but I had to get in a place where I could position my heart to be strengthened by him, to allow myself to be weak. Because his word says, in our weakness, it is made perfect by his strength. Amen? Amen? So remember this. Before a breakthrough, you have to actually hit a wall. That was one of my walls. And you can't be victorious without a battle. How can you be victorious if you don't experience a battle? Amen? Remember that God is stirring you up for more. 
and as he stirs you up for more, your faith will rise up. So once you've hit that wall, like I hit it, right? Don't stop short at that wall that you've hit. You've got to go through it. Amen? You have to go through the wall. All right, let's look at Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Can I have someone volunteer to read that short scripture? All right, I'm going to volunteer somebody in a minute. No one wants to volunteer? Who has the scripture? Do you have the scripture? Jerry. No, he doesn't have the scripture. Someone. Go ahead. Amen. Now, that's about the fruits of the Spirit. And then 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, I will read. For through the, for th through the Spirit is given to one a word of wisdom, to another a word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, and to another faith, and to another healing, I'm going to paraphrase it a bit, and to another works of power, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, and to another tongues, and yet another interpretation of tongues. So the fruits of the Spirit represents the maturity in Christ. Amen? And without the gifts, which represent the power of the Holy Spirit, gifts without fruit will not help us get through the wall. Because we can have the gifts, but in our zealousness, I mean, I could tell you about my past when I was a baby Christian. Um, I... The Lord had given me many gifts, but I didn't have fruit in my life. I didn't have long-suffering. I didn't have wisdom. I didn't have many things. And I would just lop people's heads off with my righteousness, my self-righteousness, instead of sharing his truth with what I like to call a velvet hammer instead of a machete. Amen? So... The gifts of the spirits need to be tempered by the fruits of the spirit. And those fruits, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. So if you notice, there's nine fruits and there, were, there are also nine gifts. They can each be tempered. I am going somewhere with this, I promise. We can do all things through Christ Jesus. Amen? Lord, give us strength. As you grow and mature in your relationship with the triune God, God won't always do it for you. A lot of times <clears throat> when we're younger Christians, we say, Lord, save me from this. Right? So he does. He does things for us. But as you grow in him, he doesn't always do it for you anymore. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> 
The difference is he'll do it with you when you partner with him. He'll do it with you when you've developed that intimate relationship with him. When you talk to him, when you hear him, and sometimes, you know, obviously we don't all hear him, the audible voice of God, but we hear him through the through the word of God. We hear him through friends that speak to us or from total strangers or from toddlers. I've had toddlers give me amazing, they don't know they're giving me a prophetic word, but I've had, I've had two or three-year-olds give me these amazing words. It's like, whoa, that had to have been God. But it's about listening. Communications is listening and speaking, not just speaking. And that's what develops that intimate communion with God. Amen? Remember that God is not disappointed in you because he partners with us. Be intentional and choose to partner with him. Because when we talk about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God isn't about having everything done for you. The kingdom of God, as you mature in Christ, is about bringing the kingdom of God everywhere and in everything that you do. That's a good thing, bringing the kingdom of God. That's what we're called to do. That's part of the gospel message, is being and bringing the kingdom of God. I got stuck in Dallas, Texas, and instead of crying and getting upset about getting stuck somewhere, I said, Lord, you must have a, you must have a mission. You must have something that I don't know about. You must have an assignment here for me. And that assignment ended up being that I spoke into someone's life and I, all I said to this person was, he's not forgotten you. And it's not too late. Those two things I said to this person, this person, and this was a big 300-pound man, burst into tears. And he told me, do you know, Kimberly, two days ago, I said to myself, it's too late for me, God. I have, I have sinned horrendously against you, God. But I want to be remembered for who you are in me, but I feel like I can't do that. But God. But God. All right, I'm going to read this. This is long. So if you want to turn there with me, please. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And I will read this fairly quickly. I'll start reading as you turn there. And again, he entered into Capernaum. I'm not pronouncing it right. Capernaum? Capernaum. After some days. And it was heard that he was in a house. And immediately many were gathered so that none any longer had room, even at the door. And he proclaimed the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing one who was paralyzed, who was carried by four. When they could not come near to him because of the crowd, they broke through the roof. 
I'm paraphrasing here, where Jesus was. And digging through, they let down the cot on which the paralytic was lying. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic child, your sins are forgiven you. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this one speak such blasphemies? Who can forgive sins except God only? And instantly, knowing in his spirit that they reasoned so within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and take up your cot and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority upon earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise and take up your cot, go to your house. And immediately he arose and took up his cot and went out before all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it this way. So how am I tying that in? It's your faithfulness that is going to bring breakthrough for others. I had no idea that God was going to use me with those two simple phrases, but those two simple phrases brought breakthrough to this man. So no matter how simple of what you hear or you sense, or maybe you see a color or a picture. Share that. Your faithfulness in sharing that will bring breakthrough for someone else. Amen? So what step one is, you hit the wall. What's step two? What did I say step two was before? You go through the wall. Amen? So the question I have for you, it's a rhetorical question, but why is there a wall anyway? Usually we put that wall there ourselves. With our own fears, or our own doubts, or our own apathy. Hmm? Why was the roof there in Matthew 2? Think about it. There wouldn't have been a testimony without the roof. The roof had a purpose, just like your wall has a purpose. It's built for protection, but put in the way of our promise and relationship sometimes. So when we build our own walls, it gets in the way of the promise that God has for us and the relationship that he desires to have with us. So the importance of that scripture, of the four that carried the paralytic, it's important to have people that you fellowship with, that you're in relationship with, that when you are having those moments of weakness, or even you're feeling paralyzed, I was Well, I wasn't physically paralyzed, but I was mentally, emotionally, and spiritually paralyzed when my husband had committed suicide. And I was fortunate. I had a community of friends that put me on that cot, and they carried me in that time. 
They were my breakthrough. And so now it's my turn to be the one to carry the cot and to help others with that breakthrough. And so I challenge you right now. Yes, it's okay to be on both parts. Yeah, sometimes you're going to be on that cot. But there's other times when it's important that you be the one carrying the cot with others to help others get and find and have their breakthrough. Amen? Teachers of the law, that's who is mentioned in that scripture, have created rules to protect you. But some of those rules <laughs> have kept you from the promise, holding you back from the potential of what you can do. Now, in the natural realm, there's lots of rules, there's lots of laws. And, you know, the word of God says to honor men's laws when they don't break God's laws, right? Amen? But what's even more important is not to follow rules. It's to walk out God's principles, which is living the kingdom and bringing that kingdom with you. And being the kingdom and helping others with their breakthrough. It's not about, oh, God save me. Yeah, when you're first brand new in the Lord, it is about God saving us. But as you grow in Him, it's about, all right, God, I'm going to partner with you. And we're going to bring the kingdom to this dry place here. We're going to bring the kingdom to this dark place here where no one's meant to go. But because you're with me, I can do this. Because you're with me, because you're for me and not against me. But only through you can I do this. Amen? Jesus will confront your walls because he loves you. He will help you tear down your walls but you've got to not rebuild those walls. I don't know how many times I've rebuilt walls that Jesus has helped me to tear down. Are you putting the mortar and stones back in place? They can be little things. Doubt, fear, and unbelief. Mark 2.9. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and take up your cotton walk? say you have the power inside of you when you stop disqualifying yourself when you stop saying I'm counted out because of my sins I can't do this because I have sinned against God it's the very position of your heart right the position of your heart. Where is it? I have a lot of rhetorical questions today. I'm going to keep this message short for a reason. All right. So in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 12, it says, but as it is written, I has not seen, 
nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For who among men knows the things of man except the Spirit of man within him? So also no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. But we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit from God, so that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. I love that scripture. The world and the enemy want you to see things in the natural realm. But in the spiritual realm, through the lens of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God, revelation is given revelation is received. Once you have truly partnered with God to take down your walls, the same things that you were complaining about last week then become the things that you are praising for him this week. That's the beauty of your relationship, being intentionally intimate with God. He turns your complaints to praise. Amen? So for that power that comes out of that relationship, we talked about the nine fruits of the Spirit. We also talked about the nine gifts of the Spirit. So I had a sense, even before worship was was finished, that God wanted to do some prophetic ministry, prophetic proclamations. And so with that, I'll explain briefly, with the prophetic, so we're all called to the gift of prophecy, and that is to encourage, to edify, and to lift up others. So we're all called to do that at one time.